So, um, I'm going to pray in, in just a second, but um, Barry uh, hit me up at the very uh, beginning of our time together. I'm going to shut up. And he just uh, shared something that was important, and it's, uh, it's regarding a direction that we're going uh, this morning. And uh, John over here, um, I had a conversation with him after our time together last Sunday, and it all uh, tied together. And so, um, yeah, this is something that I believe God wants uh, to, to share. So, go for it. This week, hello. Can you hear me now? No. no. What I do? It's red. It's red. I turned it off. It has to be green. There you go. Try it now. Different color. <laughs> um, I met with somebody this week. This is, I won't go into the whole thing, but I mentor someone. And I told them no, and then they kept coming, and I said yes, so I did. Um, <laughs> this is how that goes. Because I didn't trust me that much, but it wasn't me that was leading this thing. Um, and the word that I've been getting and doing every single day is keep in touch with the head. Not this head. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. Um, start your day, live your day in touch, especially in this culture we have now, in touch with the head um, of our church, of, with Jesus. And that's it. That's the whole message right there. Thanks, Barry. I'll go away. You can go back to talk to John if you want. I will. <laughs> conversation going. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He is. Um, so that is just so resonated with me, the importance of keeping in touch with the head, with Jesus. Uh, the head of, of the church. And I was talking to John Gargala after uh, our time together, and uh, he just shared how important that is to him. And so, John, would you mind sharing a little bit of just uh, how you go about doing that, how you connect with Jesus, the importance, and, and what that means uh, to you and to your life, what we were talking about last week? Good morning, church. Morning. Uh, yeah, last week I had an opportunity to talk to Dave, and... Uh, Probably about six weeks ago, I had an opportunity to take some time off work. I took a voluntary layoff. Uh, I needed that time off. Um, being in the world of production, I became uh, just like a robot, and I be, started becoming transformed to the world. And I didn't like it. I didn't like people seeing me. I became more and more of the world. So uh, I was desperately praying and seeking God, I need time to read God's word because what goes in me is going to come out of me. So uh, I had an understanding we was going to lay some people off and some people was going to lose their um, insurance. So I told management, I can take the layoff. Um, that uh, I was wanting that layoff real bad for a lot of reasons. So I took voluntary layoff. I was off for five weeks. And during this time, I had personal time to study and pray. And now when I get up in the morning, as soon as I get up, I say, good morning, God, good morning, Jesus, good morning, Holy Spirit, because I know that they are with me. I've been spending time with God. Knowing that my car is low on gas and I gotta get from point A to point B doesn't get it there. I have to take that car to the fuel station, get gas in it. It's not gonna make it. So if I don't put read God's word, it doesn't go in me. It's not going to come out of me. When I go to work, I want people to see Christ. I don't want them to see me. Right on. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
What I love is John is in management and he volunteered to take a layoff ahead of uh, people that he manages. Um, that's pretty sweet in and of itself, but then just the time to spend with the Lord, uh, just being so, so important. And I have these guys uh, share this story because um, it's so... It, I spend time with the Lord, I can hear from the Lord, but I'm not the only one. And we all can. And so I just love when all of a sudden there's this, this, this theme that is coming up in people. And the importance of drawing near to the head, the importance of drawing to God, the importance of, of being shaped and conformed not to the world, but to the Lord. Uh, being shaped by the Holy Spirit every single morning. And we think like, oh, it can be just so simple. And it's like, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that. But if we don't then our days and our lives can get sideways, can get screwy. And it is so such a simple thing, but such a profound thing that we just have to go to the Lord, go to the Lord, go to the Lord. And this is what we're going to see in Hebrews 10 uh, this morning. But uh, I wanted to play a little bit of the audio from um, the conversation that Cece and I had with uh, Todd and Lisa. Because I asked them, uh, Lisa is a teacher, Lisa... Uh, is in the public school, Todd is in politics, and, uh, you know, needless to say, the last couple of months has been a, have been a little crazy um, in, in life. And so I, I asked them the question, how do you find peace? Um, how do you go about that peace in the midst of crazy? And this is what uh, they, they shared. For me, um, getting up before everybody else does and having time to read God's word and direct my path for the day. Cup of tea, some quiet time, some prayer, and knowing God's got it. Whatever comes my way. It's been a crazy year. A lot's happened, and, and when he was calling me to teach, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. There was, <laughs> funny thing, walking around poles. Literally, was like, God, I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, I will give you strength. Clear as day. And walking into that, because not only do I have to teach, in order to teach autistic kids, I need to work on getting certified. So I'm taking college classes again. So I go from full-time mom, full-time employee, to part-time student, and whatever mom I can throw in there. And COVID hits, and we get shut down, and I'm teaching from home. But I have more time to work on my coursework. And it's just every time something comes up, um, even with the, the surgery that I had to have that took me two weeks out of work, the class that I'm taking is teaching secondary education. I needed 12 credit hours in a secondary classroom. How am I gonna do that if I'm in the classroom all the time? I got to spend a full day in the middle school ASD room and a high school ASD room. It's opened up conversation for us to develop a district-wide program for our autistic kids. So taking the bad, seeing how God's using it for good, and it's just amazing to see. It's like, I, it makes you feel so special when you take the time to look back at what he's planned that you had no clue. I'm not near as good as that. I, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, she does wonderful with dedicated morning time. I get some morning time. I usually throw my earbuds in when I walk the dogs first thing. That's about it. That's about my peace. Uh, by 7.15 most days, my world is uh, not on fire yet, but by 8, it usually is. Um, and I'm not having a great season of uh, you know just pausing and finding peace. 
you know, just being honest about that. I'm not in a great spot, but I will tell you, I love, you know, worship music. I do love uh, scriptures and stopping myself to get in them uh, is still a challenge. I appreciate it, Todd's honesty. You know, I'm not in a good spot, but I still find the value of putting the, the AirPods in, listening to some worship music. And never underestimate, I just would say to Todd and so many others, never underestimate the small things. You know, just the power of listening to a song and then going throughout your day. Uh, but the beauty, too, of, of sitting with the Lord and reading the Word. And I, I think we, we talk about this, and especially in West Michigan, it's like, okay, I read my Bible, I pray. Or I, I, we talk about some of these spiritual things and uh, in a very, maybe a casual way, not that that's bad. But at the end of the day, like, you have to think about how profound this is. We are ordinary people. We're simple, ordinary people talking to an extraordinary God, the one who holds our very lives in the palm of his hand, the one who gives us breath, the one who created everything. We can have this relationship with God. We can interact and draw near to God. And at the end of the day, that is what it is all about. That's what the gospel is all about, that we have been redeemed, we have been made new, we have been set free from the bondage of sin so that we can draw near to a holy God and have a relationship with him. Let's look at, at Hebrews 10. We've been going through Hebrews, and this is a, a great passage in the middle of Hebrews. And really the author is saying this is the point of it all. This is the, the point and, and the, the reason that the sacrifice of Jesus is so incredibly important. And in verse 19 of Hebrews 10, the writer says this. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I can't help but ignore that last, I can't ignore that last section and just the importance of coming together. The importance of, of people and getting together and the importance of relationship. And the, I think, if anything, the last year and, and COVID and, and, and isolation, if anything that has brought out is just the need, the, so much of the importance of, of coming together and, and being in relationship with people who are brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I think one of the things, the, the first step that people often take away from God is they step away from the people of God. They step away from community. They step away from relationship. And so here the writer is saying, don't give up meeting together. Keep meeting together. You need that. You need to be encouraged to continue. And that was just a side. Like, you know, but, but right before that, he's saying, let us draw near with a true heart to God. I mean, that is an incredible statement. Like, let us draw near to God. Because last week we talked about the, the old way, the old system that the people who are receiving this letter grew up in, the old system of sacrifices where you would have to go to the temple and offer sacrifice after sacrifice to the priest who would bring it to an altar, and those animals would be sacrificed for your sins. And then once a year, the, the high priest would come into the Holy of Holies after a sacrifice was made. But the, the, the picture there, the, what would happen with the high priest, he would not just boldly march into the 
to the Holy of Holies and make the sacrifice. No, he'd be like tiptoeing, walking in, like, okay, am I clean enough? Am I pure enough? Am I good enough? And the author of Hebrews is saying, that's not what we have anymore. That's not how we are to live anymore. Look at all of these verses. Uh, numerous times throughout the book of Hebrews, there is this, this challenge, this call, this invitation. In verse 16 of chapter 4, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. In uh, Hebrews 7, verse 25, it says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. All throughout the book of Hebrews, seven times there is this challenge, this call to draw near to God. Draw near because of the blood of Jesus. And it's all because of the gospel, all because of the good news of Jesus that we can draw near. Because we have been forgiven, because we have made, been made clean. And I wonder, do we really understand deep in our bones, do we really believe the enormity of the gospel? That we have been set free from the bondage of sin. And, and like verse 14 of chapter 10 says, For by a single offering, talking about the offering of Jesus Christ, His blood that was, was shed for us, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Because of the blood of Jesus, you and I have been made perfect. There's no more striving. There's no more wondering. There's no more back and forth with sacrifices. We have been made perfect by the blood of Jesus. We have been ransomed not with perishable things like gold and silver, but with imperishable, with the blood of Jesus, the pure, spotless Lamb of God. We have been made perfect. But sometimes I wonder and I think like, well, how come I don't feel perfect? How come I don't feel like I have it all together? It's nice, Dave, that you're saying that, that, that we have been made perfect by the blood of Jesus. But how come I don't feel perfect? Verse 14 says, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified or those who are being made holy. See, we are still growing as followers of Jesus. We are still growing in Christ's likeness. We are still, are still areas of our lives where God is, is shaping us and refining us. And while he's working on us, it doesn't mean that uh, that changes our identity. We are still, at the end of the day, perfect in the eyes of God because of the blood of Jesus. But there are areas of our lives that we are working on. And sometimes I wonder, where is our focus? Are we more focused on our, our sin and the areas where we need to grow? Or are we more focused on our Savior who purchased it all for us? Yeah. I mean, for me, I grew up in a tradition that had three words that they focused on a lot. And it was sin, salvation, and service. They also liked uh, three G words that, that went with that. Guilt, <laughs> grace, and gratitude. Now, the problem that I had with those three words are great, but it seems like we never got past the first word, sin. And it just was like hammered in me, sin, 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 or guilt, guilt, guilt. And I'm like, there comes a time where we need to realize that we're sinful before a holy God. And we can focus there. But I think more importantly, we need to focus on the great sacrifice that was offered for us in Jesus. That he came running after us, that he saved us, not by any works that we have done, but by the work that he accomplished on the cross. Yes. And because of that, because of the beauty of the gospel, the whole point of that is we can draw near. We can have this relationship with God. And what the author of Hebrews is, is picturing here is not a relationship where we kind of tippy-toe into the presence of God. I think back when I was in, in high school. 
And maybe some of you are like me. I had a curfew at 11. And I would race my little Mitsubishi car, four-door uh, car, home trying to beat the clock before it struck 11. And I would, I would get in maybe about 11.05 or something like that. And my dad would fall asleep every night in the chair. And my dad is a snorer. He's like, you know, he just big snores. I could hear it through the wall. And so I would tippy-toe try to get from the, the garage to my room. And I would make it almost down the hallway, and it seemed like every time my dad would be like, oh, and then he'd wake up, he's like, Dave, you're late. <laughs> and I'd picture that, like, tipping-toeing in, in regards to my relationship with my father trying to get past him. Yeah. But the writer of Hebrews is painting a much different picture yeah. when it comes to our relationship with God. Not one of tippy-toeing, but one of kind of barging in and saying, you know what, we need to talk. Father, I have some conversation. I have some questions. I have some things going on in my life. We need to talk. And why can we have that boldness in our relationship with God? That boldness in coming uh, before Him? It's because of what we sang. The cross, when Jesus died, the veil was torn in two. The veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And to my recollection, that veil has never been sewn back together. So we can enter the Holy of Holies. We can go forward into the presence of God and say, here we are. Yeah. Father, here we are. But it's only by the blood of Jesus that we can do that. But sometimes I think we get a little nervous about that. We get a little scared about that because we're like, we are going before God. And there has to be an element of reverence because he is holy. He is set apart. He is our, our father. He is amazing. But sometimes I wonder, do we really understand the character and the heart and the nature of who we are going to? Mm -hmm. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It's talking about Jesus being the great high priest. And it says this, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We have a Savior who is absolutely powerful, powerful enough to rescue anybody from the pit. But we also have a Savior that we are invited to draw near to over and over again. A Savior who is very personal. A Savior who knows exactly what you and I are going through. Says he was tempted. He was tempted just like you and I are tempted every day. He was tempted when he was brought out to the desert by the, by the Holy Spirit. And the enemy tempted him there and said, hey, here, you're hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days. Here are some rocks. Turn them into to bread. And then he also said, hey, here is all of this, you know, this kingdom. I can give it to you. He was tempted by the enemy. And so Jesus knows exactly how we are tempted. And I, I often think like, but this is 2021. Was Jesus tempted in the same way that we are tempted? But at the end of the day, the very foundation of, of temptation is to make life about us. And Jesus was tempted in that way. It's like, make these rocks food. Make this, this, this world can be your kingdom. So Jesus knows exactly what you and I are going through. He's tempted just like us. Jesus knows loss just like we know loss. He lost a good friend. In John 11, we see the death of Lazarus. 
And the famous verse that many of us have memorized because it's the shortest verse in the Bible demonstrates Jesus' humanity that he knows. And when it says, Jesus wept. He lost his friend. He knows what we are going through. But there's this invitation, though, to draw near to the throne of grace. Why? So that we might receive mercy. Mercy, compassion. It's a picture of someone coming alongside another person in a time of need. So we can have the, our great high priest Jesus come alongside of us and give us mercy and compassion and walk with us. But also grace, forgiveness, yes, but also the power to live a godly life. We have a great high priest in Jesus who knows us and invites us to draw near. Turn to Hebrews 7. Here's another picture of who we have to go, for, uh, to, go to draw near to. Hebrews 7 verse 25 Again, in talking about Jesus, it says, Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him. And I love this verse, since he always lives to make intercession for them. When you think about it, Jesus, right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I, praying for you and I, going to the Father on behalf of you and I, saying to the Father, give Give grace to this person. Strengthen this person. It's a picture of, of, of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, working on our behalf, working for us. He knows us and he's working for us. This is who we are, uh, who we are invited to go to, to draw near to. But how do you do this? And this is where I think there's some beautiful words in Hebrews 10. How do you draw near? Because it's nice to say that. How do you draw near to, to God, and what is what are we, or how are we to do that? Look at verse twenty-two again. It says, "Let us draw near." There's that 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 invitation with a true heart, a true, a sincere heart. And this, to me, is the most beautiful thing, because we are invited to come before a holy God and be brutally honest, brutally honest. Back in Matthew chapter uh, 6, Jesus is talking about prayer. This is the picture that he gives about prayer. Turn to Matthew 6, and it's up on the screen too, but it says this. When you pray, Jesus is saying, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. What a picture. Don't pray on the corner. Don't pray to be seen by people, but go into the room. Go into that, that most you know, intimate place and be completely honest before God your Father. Go and just pour it out. And I wonder, when was the last time or have you ever just been completely honest with God? Like saying, here is my heart. Here's what's going on. Here's what makes me happy. Here's what make me, makes me sad. Here's the frustrations that I have in life. Here it all is. We have this invitation to be brutally honest with God. Jesus was confronting those Pharisees, and he said this. He says, going back to Isaiah, he said, the problem is you honor God with your lips, but your heart is far from we have an invitation to be real, to be completely and brutally honest with God. Are you taking him up on that invitation? 
King David in the Old Testament. This week I was talking to someone about King David, and we, we were talking about how up and down King David seemed to be. And someone said, it feels like he's kind of bipolar. On one hand, he's like, God, you're so amazing. You're absolutely amazing. You've rescued me from this, this, and this, and this. And then on the other hand, David's like, God, where are you? And then he goes back to, God, you're absolutely amazing. And then it's like, why have you given up on me? It's back and forth, back and forth. And I thought about that this week, and I said, I don't know if David is bipolar. I think that's just the realness of life. There are times when you're like, God, you have rescued me from this. And there are times where it's like, God, why? What in the world is going on? And we have this invitation to go to God in it all and just pour it all out. Pour it all out before him. But it says, come with a true and sincere and honest, honest heart. Then it goes on to say, in full assurance of faith. Because Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. When we have to believe that there is a God up in heaven, a God who hears us, a God who knows us, a God who sees us, and also a God who longs to give good gifts to his children, a God who longs to pour it out. You know, when it comes to having a full assurance of faith that, okay, God, you are real, you are there, honestly, there are times that I struggle with that. Because have you ever had the thought like I had, like, is this all made up? Is this all just like, I've never seen God is this all just like something that we have created? And I've thought about that a couple times. I've thought about that. I'm like, eh, you know, and I give my life to this. And I'm just like, okay, is this real? And I often wonder. But then I think back and numerous times that I've prayed. And I've seen things happen. And I've seen answers to prayer. <laughs> Remember praying for a, a friend named Dan. That he would come to know Jesus. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And then all of a sudden I saw him and I had a conversation with him. And there was movement in his life and he was open to hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, that's not coincidence. And eventually he opened up his life to, to Jesus and he gave his life to the Lord in the midst of crazy that was happening in his life. And he got baptized and he's following the Lord to this day. And I'm like, I can't orchestrate that. I've never seen God, but I've seen the effects of his power and his work in people's lives. I think of this morning. On Tuesday, we didn't have, I didn't know Joel. You know, I didn't have, I didn't connect with Joel. And then all of a sudden, on Tuesday, I sent him a message on Instagram. And I'm praying, like, God, we need a, a worship leader. Someone would love to have somebody come and lead worship for us this week. And then I reach out to Joel and boom. You know, we, he's like, yeah, I don't have anything going on this week. I mean, that is the effect of, of, of prayer. And, and it just demonstrates, God, you are absolutely real. Now, I know there are things that you guys have prayed for. There are people that you have prayed for. People that have been sick, people that have been struggling, and your answers, they're not there. God hasn't seemed to answer that prayer. And I don't know why. I honestly don't know why, and I'm not gonna make up a reason as to why. I also don't know why sometimes it takes 30, 40, 50 years for a prayer to be answered. But I do know that I've seen God work and move and answer prayers. And so he's inviting us to continue to draw near to him and continue to ask and ask and ask. And then it says, we're to have that full assurance of faith. 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is just a reminder that in any situation, if you have given your life to Jesus, you can draw near to God. So often I think we don't draw near to God because it's like, well, God, I did this, this, and this this week. You don't want me to come to you. But this is a reminder that while we not may have struggled with sin, it doesn't change who we are in the sight of God. And there's this invitation to come to him over and over and over again. And so I want to challenge all of us in our lives this week, draw near to God. And it can be so simple. It can be so much in the ordinary. You know, Lisa shared, she gets up uh, in the morning and, and she reads her Bible and she has a cup of tea. And, and that is a beautiful way to start your morning. That's a beautiful way to start your day. I invite you to, to hop into to something like that. But also know that throughout the day, you can encounter the Lord. Throughout the day, whether you're in Coles or wherever, you can encounter God. And so sometimes I think that we, we think everything has to be perfect for us to encounter or draw near to God. But I am reminded that throughout Scripture, we see that ordinary people encountered a, a super or, or extraordinary God in the midst of their day. The woman at the well, she was doing something very ordinary, and boom, she encounters Jesus. Moses, he was tending to his flock, his father-in-law's flock, and boom, all of a sudden encounters God. My favorite way, one of the favorite things that I love to do is as I'm driving, I'm just talking to God. People might look at me and say, wow, he's talking to himself. No, I'm talking, I'm connecting with my head. I'm talking to my father. I'm taking like every opportunity to draw near to God. And that is the beauty of the gospel. It's very simple. Go to God with everything. Go to God with every aspect of your life. And why do we do this? Man, I look at this room. There's people that are going through it. There's people that have suffered loss. There's people that know people who have suffered loss. I mean, we share about cancer over and over again, and that just that breaks my heart. There's heaviness. But there's this invitation by Jesus. All those who are weary and heavy burdened, come to me. But here's the other thing I know. In this room is a bunch of people who want to do what the Father wants them to do. And Jesus, he went away. He drew near to the Father. Why? Because he said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. And I know that is the desire of so many in this room. And that's why it's so important to draw near to God. God, I just want to be used by you today. I want to, to show your kingdom to people today. So I'm drawing near to you and I want you to show me how to do this. And so there's this constant invitation. Draw near to God. James 4 verse 6 says this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so what I want to do this morning, we haven't taken time to pray for one another yet, because I wanted to do that coming out at this time together, is to draw near to God on behalf of other people, to draw near to God for ourselves, to take a little bit of time and do that. And so usually we do share prayer requests, and I wanna do that right now. Um, and then what we're gonna do is take some time and pray. Take some time and just pour our, our hearts before, the, before God. And I know like in this time, there are some, some that feel more comfortable with this than others. And that is totally fine. And sometimes like this is like, eh, this is uncomfortable. If this is uncomfortable for you, my encouragement to you would be just to sit and to pray. Sit and talk to God. And if you're more comfortable joining together and praying with people, do that. If you want to walk across the room and pray with somebody, I encourage you to do that. Ask them if it's okay first. 
But we have this beautiful opportunity to draw near to God. And as we do that, he will draw near to us. And so I'm going to ask just as if there are anything that uh, people want us to be praying for uh, right now.